Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Good morning. How are we going? Great. So good. I hope that you've been challenged and encouraged uh, through the book of, of Colossians and through this alternative reality series. My, uh, my son Oscar is continuing to make sense of reality at age three. Uh, he's figured out that when there's people who are different or look different, but they have the same name, that he will just call them different Dave. Or, you know, hey, Dad, is that different Dave from church? Hey, is that different Scott? Uh, Is that different John who walks his dog from church? Yes, buddy, it is. And uh, goodness knows who the originals are. Um, But he's clearly been paying attention, maybe over the TV screens, maybe out in the foyer, who knows. But to the fact that we have been called to be different. We live differently to the rest of the world or we should live differently because we actually belong to a different kingdom that is at hand. It's, it's within reach right now. And today we're going to finish this chapter. So good job. You've read through it all. You're going with us. And the heading in my Bible is final greetings. Okay. So when I first saw that title, I was like, are you serious, Pastor John? Like, is this a, is this a stitch up? Like, is this the left-handed screwdriver Uh, you know, trick here, final greetings, you know, Paul writing that um, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Like, congratulations, Paul, you got your pen license. Cool story, Uh, yee-haw. But as as I sat with this passage, and as I didn't skim on by, like maybe I wanted to, there's a real invitation and call for us today as we conclude our series. So are you ready for the Spirit to speak to us through the Word? The Spirit's been speaking amazingly through the worship already this morning, but again right now, uh, as we read his word, his living, his active word, sharper than any two-edged sword, here we go, Colossians 4, starting at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Also does Demas. 
Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. Can you see why I reacted a little strange when I saw it on the preaching roster? Yeah? Another genealogy. No, I'm kidding. But did you know in our times of, of corporate praise and worship that we just experienced, do you know that we here at River Life, we actually have our, our favorite lines of certain songs? Did you know that? Um, it's usually around the third verse okay, of a song when the music drops down. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, if you, you've been here, all right. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that, that happens, and it's got me thinking one day, I might just line up all of those third verses, like back to back to back to back, and just see what happens, and maybe revival will be in the air, like hymn of heaven into living hope, into in Christ alone, like what would happen if we did that? Um, one of our favorite lines is also in the song, King of Kings. You know that song? King of Kings, okay? When it builds and reaches the lyric, and the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. Amen? When we reach that verse, every time it's like the heavens have opened, there's gold dust on babies' foreheads, and uh, it's just usually there is something different about when we sing it. We always declare that line with extra gusto or gusto because we're ultimately singing out who we are, what we're connected to. We are the continuation of that very truth. And something in us comes alive when we do that. And we're like, "Woo! that's my team. Go Matildas. Okay. Matthew 16, of whom the gates of hell will not be able to stop us. Amen. But do we really know? Do we really know what that line is identifying about us and who we are? The church of Christ that was born, as we declare, was and is a missional movement of people following Christ Jesus. Common people like you and me, hearing the good news of the gospel, repenting of their ways, being baptized, and then joining in this beautiful mission. The church was not a building, believe it or not. It was not a service or a place to attend or sit for 90 minutes a week. And mission was not an activity. It was the identity of that name, of that word, of that people. Many of you might recognize this symbol behind me on the screen. You know, members of the church from the first century onwards would draw this fish to identify other followers of Christ who were a part of the very same movement, particularly in the midst of of persecution. You know, the fish was code for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, but it also symbolized the mission. We're fishers of men. We're fishers of people. And joining this movement, perhaps to your surprise, could be more so likened to that of joining a gang, okay? Obviously, a really peaceful, loving, kind, foot-washing one nonetheless. But there was a strong commitment There was a common name, there was an identifying symbol, and there was this collective activity from members that they would all share in it. Does it sound familiar? You bunch of gangsters, you, you know? Did you know it? But as part of that gang, you would never say, hey, I'm going to gang today. How about you? Are you going to go to gang today? 
And in the same way, we don't go to church, we are the church. We are the church. It is, it is, it's who we are. It's, it's the commitment that we've made. And it's a different picture, isn't it, to what we might commonly identify with a modern understanding, even maybe with all of this that's around us of like, you know, hi there, welcome to our church building. Come and look at our programs. Have you seen the brochure? You know, how can we help you? What can we offer you? Um, be sure to get your free coffee on the way out, you know. Oh, wow, they've even got a sports court here, Bruce. Crazy. Like, and if, if we look at Paul's writings throughout this very chapter, we see that there's actually a truer reflection of the church that he is, is, is writing from. It's a little bit different to that. It's deeper than that. He's spending some 12 verses speaking even, you know, in the context of this letter, 12 verses speaking about a diverse crew of people who he says encourage him greatly while he himself was in prison and who he's become united with and who he's even become family with. You know, that's our desire here that we would become a family. And why? Because they are all fellow workers on this same mission. Onesimus, for instance, who Paul mentions in verse 9, he's this slave who's run away. He's run away, run away from his master, but he's recently heard the gospel and he's come to faith. And now he's joined the mission and Paul calls him, you know, my faithful and beloved brother. They each have different backgrounds and stories, but again, as we've already looked at through this letter and has been reiterated, how many of you know that it's neither slave nor Greek nor BBC nor Westside nor Glenala nor Mogul, but all in Christ, all in Christ, Christ and his kingdom at the core. And the church is identified and united by our mission and our witness. That's what makes us who we are, church. Is that where our focus is this morning? You know, I sense the Holy Spirit wants to awaken that today, even as we were singing, Spirit, break out, break our walls down. Hey, we can sing that sometimes just for little old Nick here, but it's like, Spirit, break out, break our walls down, take us into who we actually are. The world around us is constantly reinforcing, reinventing, and reselling a focus on working for your own kingdom and comfort. I think that's sometimes why when we're singing songs, we straight away sometimes maybe go, me, I, here I am. My lifestyle, my security, my reputation, my knowledge, my worldview, my attainment. And this is the autopilot, if you will. Like, it's just happening. It's the cruise control of Western society. It's a path that has been laid out for you and I to follow and to walk. And sometimes our faith and the focus of our church can start to be shaped primarily by these things also. Lifestyle, security, knowledge, attainment, etc., can become the main places where you and I literally just engage God. We engage Him in these spaces. Our mission if you will, can rather become just a religious version of living towards the comfort of our own home. Amen. Is anyone nodding and resonating with the reality of this? You know, I remember a famous flight back in the 80s. It was Korean Airlines flight 007 that left uh, JFK Airport headed for Seoul, Korea with a stopover in Alaska. 
And this plane, they set off, they had their true coordinates, everything was going well, they stopped down, they refueled, and then when they left Alaska to head towards Korea, they put the plane into autopilot, which is common. That's what you do. And so there, they're coasting in that direction, autopilot. But little did they know that autopilot on this day, for whatever reason, changed the coordinates ever so slightly, barely minimally, but over five and a half hours of changing course ever so slightly, it took this plane of people into prohibited airspace over Russia, which at the time was a conflict zone. At the time was, you do not fly here. The radar that would usually identify aircrafts in this area was also down and damaged. And so long story short, that airline's flight was shot down by the Russians and 269 people all died that day. A tragic event in history. But, you know, one that also speaks in line of today's message with the celebrated autopilot mission of our world, which can, over time, if left unchecked, really take over and take us a long way from where our calling is. Cause us to read a passage like that this morning and be like, oh man, like I first did. What's the point of this? Like, what's in this for me? This is like reading an alternative reality that just seems like so far gone, so out of context, you know. But this passage, this passage for those that have ears to hear this morning, is Colossians calling us back to our true coordinates and to step in and to take the wheel again of who we are. We are the church. Paul emphasizes, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, get this, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Prayer is highlighted, but did you read what Paul is asking for prayer for? Not pray for me that God would take this situation away and make it better for me. The very mission that put Paul in prison, he's asking for that to increase. He's asking for more opportunities for that. Like, how does that work? What revelation does Paul have of Jesus Christ to call him to ask for that kind of prayer support in that area. He's not asking for his own prison door to be opened, but for a door to the Word of God to be opened and clearly declared. And that's arguably an alternative mission encapsulated right there. How would you pray? How would you pray if you're honest this morning? What would you, what would you go to? What would you lean towards? God, you know, maybe God get me out of here You're supposed to be God. Bad things are not supposed to happen to me because you're God. Who are you? Where are you? I want to point my finger at you. But passages like this, they're a gift to us. They're a gift to us. They are true. They remind us of the reality of the mission we've been given and the reality of suffering that that can be connected to witnessing Christ, which is so important in this comfort culture. It's moving at a fast rate of knots. And by suffering, I'm referring to any hardship, any opposition, any ill treatment, as well, obviously, as persecution that we read about. When you read Paul's words, it brings embracing difficult circumstances back on the map in 2023. Rather than perhaps the norm to always avoid or to eliminate or to point the finger at God, 
It also shows how these things aren't the focus for those on mission. They're not the focus for them, and it actually never, ever stops the mission from ever advancing. There's a joy in the Lord that is far greater. Hallelujah. There is a joy that is out of this world, that that the world can't give it to you. It can only be found in the spirit that we cry out for to fall afresh on us. A joy that would cause us to pray in this same matter of like, hey, you know what, this might be tough, this might be difficult, but God be glorified. Hey, God, open a door for your word. Fulfill your purposes, fulfill your will here in my life. Do we pray those prayers? Do we lean that way? Do we see our role in this bigger picture of God's redeeming mission of the world? The theme of rejoicing in suffering, in hardship, trial, opposition. It's right back in Colossians 1 when we started this series, but it's really the entirety of the New Testament highlights this, points to this, alludes to this. Joy and suffering are found in the same cup as you stand with Jesus Christ. They're both there. And the thing that we're reminded of here in our passage, which is both a challenge and an encouragement, is it comes as a result of our witness. When we start to witness, when we start to share, it's directly linked in here to when we live out this mission, that which makes us the church, that which makes us who we are and what we've been called to. And this is where this morning for us, two alternative realities, two alternative missions will collide because the world and society is heading as far away from anything to do with that kind of a approach or attitude to Christianity. And that can really shape this church of Christ that was born, of whom the gates of hell will not prevail. But it doesn't have to. Amen? It doesn't have to shape us. It doesn't have to head that way. That doesn't have to be A plus B equals river life. That doesn't have to be the way forward for us. I recently heard a pastor working in China who shared three of their core values that they have on their wall as a church, wherever they're gathered. It says, number one, we're all deeply devoted to prayer. Number two, we expect every single believer to be sharing their faith. Number three, we embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. That's what they unite around. That's what they are all in on. You know, that's what they, they, they gather together and they're like, this is what we're about. This is what we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder on. This is what we're going to pray into. And then this is what we're going to go with our purpose after every time we've, we've gathered together. We're going to do these things. It sounds a lot like what Paul was writing, doesn't it? it sounds a lot like where he's at. What would it look like for us to have these core values in our context How would that change how we operate? How would that change our approach to being here Sunday morning? The need, the the desire, the hunger. Because you see, like, if we put on a prayer meeting here at the church, but the mission that we're living for is one of our own kingdom and our own world, it's just not going to connect. There's going to be a disconnect for us. Like, if you're singing, Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on me because in my week this week, I really want to mow my lawn. I really want to go to Indrapilia. I've got a, maybe a, a conversation I've got to have here at work or I really want that promotion. So, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Like, that's not going to do much in us. We're not going to put our full selves into that. There are other objectives. There are other things we can do that can achieve those goals. But these things here... Sharing our faith, embracing the opposition that comes, 
man, I need the Spirit. I need Him. He, like, he is the ultimate missionary, amen? And He lives inside of me. I need Him to be awakened so much more because I'm still, you know, maybe intimidated by the, the retail assistant who asks me a question, or I'm still maybe, you know, ah, like, don't, don't ask me about this faith that I have in a way that's tricky, or, oh, man, how much have you studied? You've got a lot of philosophy in there. Like, I hope I can measure up with you. We need the Spirit. We need to press in. People will always rally and pray and cry out when they really need God. Okay, when someone in their life has no cure, there's no way forward, then we hit our knees. And it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes so much sense. But what do we do with it? The mission that we do or don't sign up for will drive our prayer and it will drive our commitment to one another. It's one thing I've experienced firsthand. There's a level of family and fellowship that we get, which is, again, it's our heart. That's what we want. We want to be a family embracing His presence. We want that so much. And there's so many different ways that we could try and achieve that end and so many ways we could describe that and the picture that you have of that. Maybe it's a, a clean family living room where it's all fun and the Barbie's on and that kind of thing. You know, but one thing I've experienced is that when you go through these challenges of witnessing together, you become family with those people very quickly. You really do. Like when I've been in Honduras, okay, the most violent capital city in the world, uh, when I was in Borneo in the jungle, when our bus got shot at by actual real life gangsters uh, in Honduras and bullets flew through our windows and we all hit the deck and we were on our way into a village that was controlled, you know, by gang activity over there. And we all got up, you're all right, you're good, praying, praising. And then we go on and we share the word in that village and we see people get saved. You come home from an experience like that and you are family with those people. You were like, man, we are in this together through the thick and the thin. Or whether you're sleeping on a wooden floor in Borneo and mosquitoes are biting you at night and you go to something that could be called a toilet um, and it's overflowing and, you know, you are in there and you are hungry and you are thirsty. You don't have all the comforts and luxuries and you shoulder to shoulder with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It grows us as a family. We rally around the same thing. It's as if an even higher form of love comes to the surface when you collectively live the mission together. The fastest growing church at the moment is actually in Iran. Okay, it's, it's house churches that are run by these faithful women. I love that so much. In and amongst their culture, they're women who believe Romans 8, 18, that the present sufferings of this world are nothing compared to the future glory that will be revealed in us, amen? And we can so easily distance ourselves from it all by referring to, oh, that's overseas, Pastor Nick. That's the early church right there. That's the persecuted church. That's the underground church, okay? And we categorize our brothers and sisters almost like they're separate entities, almost like they're a cult or something, almost like we're so disconnected that we can't even relate and we have sympathy for them, which is, yes, kind and caring, but the reality is I think they actually disciple us just like Paul is trying to here. More than our sympathy, they would want us to share this message with even more boldness, with even more freedom, with even more joy. That's what they would want. That's what Paul's asking for Every culture and every nation will have a place where the mission is going to meet some form of resistance, some form of opposition, some form of challenge and discomfort. And it's in these places where we really discover the abundance of life that we have in Christ Jesus. 
where we really can authentically live this out and say, this is the joy of my salvation amidst all of this. There is nothing that compares to it. And I wonder what that looks like for us here. I wonder what that resistance is. Have we met that line of resistance? Have we had a bad circumstance in the Lord and stepped through it even further? Have we wrestled, have we struggled with what it looks like to witness Christ here in our community, here in our nation? Or do we simply pull back? Now, Paul writes at the end of this letter in verse 18, remember my chains, remember my chains. And he's not ending things here by seeking attention for himself. His words, they're, they're a sign of authority and integrity. After he's written all of this, the guy's in prison. Remember the mission. After all these things that we've added, all those amazing truths that we say, amen, amen, amen. Remember the one who is petting this with his own hand. He is in prison for the mission that you've been called to, that all of those truths that we've covered through this series, they all come into us and then they want to come out of us so that we can live as his followers here. And Jesus said to his disciples, in John 4:32, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And they're like, has someone given him some food? Has someone given him something to eat? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. We're fed, we're fueled when we do God's will here on the earth, when we seek to join him in accomplishing his work. And knowing this personally, Paul gives us this advice. He encourages us. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. 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 He's using that word there. Outsiders. The lost. Those that don't know Christ. Those that are yet to come to the knowledge of their creator. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And he says this is making the best use of the time. This is making the best use of this short time we have here to walk in wisdom with those that don't know Christ. And to do that is to walk in God's spirit that we call out for, that we cry out for, spirit of the living God, full afresh, change me, shape me. He has wisdom and creativity and insight, discernment and fruit far beyond what we in and of ourselves could ever conjure. And how many of you know that as we walk through some of the issues in our context and culture, gender, sexuality, primary schools that are now saying you can identify as a cat if you want to, you know, being serious here in Brisbane, how do we walk in wisdom when we know the reputation that we carry in these situations and circumstances? The amazing thing about the Spirit of God is that it will always keep you in grace, not judgment. It'll always keep you in grace. Grace, not needing to be right. Sometimes even being wrong. Sometimes being wrong is the doorway that the Lord is looking for, where we humbly walk away from something that went not so great for us. And that person goes home that night and God says, that is I, I am the Lord your God. Sometimes when things don't look so great, sometimes when things are messy, I came to the Lord Jesus Christ when there was a fight on Sugar's Road over drug money. That is not a nice situation. And God spoke in, this isn't who you are. This isn't how I've made you. This isn't what you were created. I run down the road crying my eyes out and my whole life changes. God will use anything if we will just go. God will use you 
in all that you have, even the uniqueness of like, oh, well, I have this about my personality. He will use those things. The Spirit will come in. God's Spirit gives us wisdom as we go, as we walk. Wisdom will look different for each person. And it really is a Spirit-led reliance, Spirit-led adventure. And it really will make coming here to this church, coming to its ministries, it will fuel you and drive you. It will put you on your knees. It will change the way your family prays for grace at dinner. It'll change the way your family looks when you walk through your neighborhood. It will change you. But man, I want it to change me if it's authentic and real. I want that. I want that same thing. Because this salt that we've been told that we carry, it can't stay in the shaker in here. Amen. It cannot stay in here. It has to get out into conversations, interactions with, quote, outsiders, outsiders of the focus. We're not going to be salty with our learned Christian rhetoric that is planned in advance, where we see mission as a once-off activity that we try along with everything else. We have to see the people that are in front of us. We have to see them. We have to look at them. We have to go that journey, be in the moment, filled with His Spirit, asking for wisdom as that conversation goes, God, give me an opportunity, God. Give me it. Sometimes, you know, I might hear a neighbor out, out by their bins and I'm just like, God, give me wisdom. I look for rubbish to take out. I don't have any rubbish. Look for it just to go out there. Oh, g'day, g'day, how you going? You know, never knowing where that conversation will go. But living intentionally that I'm here missionally. I'm a missionary. That is why I'm a part of the church. I'm not here as part of the church simply to just sit and listen you know, I, Nick Riddell, sermon number 1,434 in the, in the last 16 years. I went back and had a count, okay? That's how bored I was. Um, if I'm not going, if I'm not witnessing, if I'm not, you know, Lord, change me. Let me start to move in this direction, making the best use of the time. Because God promises us in Luke 12, when you don't know what to speak in that hour, the Holy Spirit is going to give it to you. When you don't know, if you, if you already know, if you've got the plan, if, if you're there, but when you don't know, He will then come through in you. It's the glory of like, wow, this is God on the earth. That's a miracle worth celebrating just as much as the shake and bake, you know, in the prayer room, okay? When we go out and we're like, whoa, God came through for me. I had nothing else. He was right there in that moment. Sharing your faith is going to look different every time. But we're going to, we've got to make the best use of our short time here. And God reminded me this week as I was reading this passage of a moment that happened and it, it kind of has gotten lost a little bit in the blur of COVID season and everything else that's been going on in my life and having two kids and all of that. Just so easy for it to get lost. But he reminded me of an experience I had back in 2019 when we as the pastoral team were away on our senior leadership team retreat, which we're about to go on in two weeks so you can pray for us. And, you know, we were there and we go away to seek the Lord. We go away to ask Him. We go up to a mountain and we're like, God, just show us the direction, the vision for our church. And uh, we were there one night and we weren't even doing a session. We weren't even part of it. We were sitting there having dinner and... uh, (laughs) Classic pastor table talk, we were talking about demonic experiences, demonic activity, demonic things that have like, what have you seen? What's out there? Blah, blah, blah. And then moving into 
God's miraculous provision, God's power, God's transforming life, stories, moments, examples from our own life. And, and God's spirit fell on us. God's spirit fell on us on those plastic chairs while we're eating lasagna in Boona. Okay, God's spirit fell on, on all that were, were in the room. And, and for me, it's actually the, the most intense experience I've ever had. Most, I guess, weighing on the heart, most vivid, most strange I've ever had. And, you know, God, God took me in my mind as I, was, as I was praying. He just started to show me these people groups around the world. And I started to see women and children. And the more that I engaged with it, the more that it intensified, the more that I was like, what are you showing me this for, God? And I would see these women and these children, both here in, in, in Australia, here in Brisbane, and the nations of the world, Middle East, Asia, going to all these different parts, the islands. And I'm just seeing women and children crying out. I just start to hear this voice inside saying, will you go? Will you go? Will you go? Will you go? And as that happened, I started speaking in tongues, different languages, and it would just intensify. Will you go? Will you go? And then I would have flashbacks and see us sitting here in River Life like we are this morning in our church, and then back to these women on their knees, some in the dirt, some in, in places of hardship, and some even in our own homes around this place. Will you go? Will you go? Will you go? And after about 30 minutes of being a part of this experience, I sat up and these words just came out of me like a fire hose. They're up here on the screen. Release river life to the nations. Stop the block. Break fear. Release river life to the nations. The voices cry out. They cry out. Do you hear me? Will you go? Don't wait. You have what you need. Go now. These are my words. We were all brought to our knees and many of us were, were weeping and just, just rocked by this. And, and not long after this experience together, COVID broke out. COVID became the focus of our community. We went into our first lockdown together. So much of that, that outward direction, that drive, that response, all of a sudden just absolutely swamped by you know, something that we didn't anticipate. And the, the enemy really came at us in many ways and snatched that seed. He snatched that seed from my own life. And I believe he snatched that seed from, from us in many ways too. And it's, it's time for us to remember the mission, church. It's time for us to remember the chains, to remember the, the true coordinates and to allow this verse today by his spirit to be that sharper than an two-edged sword coming in, speaking to us, showing us we've got to go. We've got to go beyond the walls. Australia is one of those nations. Australia is one of those people groups, this area that we've been placed. And the challenge and encouragement is we've got to embrace what comes as we go. We've got to embrace it. We cannot hold back our witness because it means us avoiding Hardship, avoiding opposition. It's part of our call. It's in there. Wherever we might find ourselves today and however long or however short you've been following Christ, you are the powerful church of Jesus Christ. And if Paul saw you, he would call you his faithful and beloved brother or sister, you know, witnesses here that are going to be sent to the very ends of 
of the earth. And if you've drifted away from this identity and this calling, for whatever reason, maybe you didn't even know it. Maybe today's like, flip, I didn't know that. If you've lost sight of who you are and who we are, then God is calling you. Right towards the end of our letter, Paul mentions someone with kind of the only normal name, Mark, in the book. He says, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, in verse 10. And he has special instructions to the church, and he says, hey, when he comes, if he comes, welcome him. Welcome him, all right? Especially writes that. This Mark started out back in Acts, living for the mission. He was like, yeah, I'm all in. Let's do it. Let's go. He, he went with Paul and Barnabas. But as he went on the journey, there was opposition. There was hardship. Things went down. He saw things. He experienced things that actually caused him in Acts 13 to leave the mission. He left it. He went back home to Jerusalem while everyone else kept going on sharing. Okay, He, he retreated back for many years. But here in this letter in Colossians, all these years later, guess who's mentioned? Paul in prison is writing about this Mark who has rejoined the mission, who's now a fellow worker again. Something shifted in the life of Mark. And here he is. He's all in. He's like, I can't deny it. I'm I'm going for this. And there's an invitation today, just like there was to Mark. There's an invitation to each and every one of us from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. He sees us and He knows us and He's calling us and He's drawing us today to turn towards Him and to say, here I am, Lord, send me again. Here I am, Lord, send me again, send me again. Do that work. You know, that Mark, scholars believe, went on to write the gospel of Mark. He wasn't an eyewitness He went on to pen those words with the Apostle Peter and he ends up receiving this title from many as Mark the Evangelist. Isn't that funny? Mark the Evangelist. It's time for us to rejoin the mission today to be the church at River Life. It's who we are, each and every one. And so Holy Spirit, come speak to us as a church. Speak to us collectively. Let there be a unity in the Spirit today. Come meet us, God. I just even get a sense that some of the voices in our head that straight away come, maybe they came early in the sermon and maybe you you stepped back and kind of retreated from leaning into the Spirit. That's not me. That's not what I signed up for. I'm I'm not enough. My personality doesn't lend itself to that. Okay, all of those things. The Lord is calling you into the abundant life that's experienced in the kingdom. And He's not lying. He's not lying about when we live it, when we walk with it. Okay, some of the disillusionment, some of the discontentment, some of the turning to other things for gratification, some of the habits and lifestyles that come, they're coming because that food that has been given to us from the Lord as we witness Him that's not what's coming in. It, it's, it's other hors d'oeuvres that the world is handing out. We're missing the bread that comes from our Lord. So God, I pray today, call us into who we are. Call us in. He's calling you to go. The weaker that you feel this morning, the more glory. 
the weaker you feel, the more incredible, miraculous, how could God ever moments that you'll experience and see in your life. But we've got to go. We've got to face our mission. We've got to walk with it and carry it this morning. So as we sing this song together, as as these words play, maybe you shouldn't sing. Maybe you need to continue to pray, whatever. You know, it's you and the Lord. You're here in His church. You can find a space if you want to be with Him. Um, Or you can sit where you are and just quietly or stand, whatever you want to do. You know, it's just a space. But just allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to, to speak to us. And in your note outline, I put in there, For those that feel like God is calling me right now, I want to be obedient. I want to respond. I want to do something that brings change today, this day. I don't want to hear a message, walk out and let it get snatched away. I don't want to happen to, you know, what happened to me and my experience. And then COVID came and it's like, where did that go? There's a list of things right now that are current mission opportunities for you here through Reach here at the church. But man, maybe it looks different to that. Maybe it looks like YWAM. Maybe it looks like something else. Maybe it looks like just starting something in your own home and inviting people to come read the Bible. I don't know what it is. The Spirit will lead you, but we have to go. And so today, maybe response and obedience is signing up to one of those ministries, emailing Pastor Ian, emailing the church right now in the service, getting the phone out. Hi, um, I want to find out more about this. I feel like God's calling me in. I have to make space for this in my life. I don't have a lot of availability, but man, this is priority for us. This is the church. This is who we are. So I want to. I need people around me. I need that faithful witness to go together, pray together, journey together. You can do that this morning. And that would be, man, that would be such a powerful response. So Lord, lead us in what you're calling us to. Help us be real. Help us be honest before you. Help us respond to you. Help us do something with this incredible word you've given us, God. This letter in Colossians, God, that we've read from start to finish, one through four, I pray it would manifest in this church. I pray it would move in and through us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.